Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. That's two free weeks at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Again, onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepasswordcom slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter uplift desk a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work and that's just the beginning of what uplift desk has to offer with an emphasis on ergonomics and customization uplift desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals whether you're coding designing or podcasting like i am right now the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Hi, I'm Tam Pham, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to a productive conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I am back with Tan Bam of Asian Efficiency for part two of our conversation, diving into the many years that we have spent in the productivity and time management arena. If you thought part one was full of insights, we're going to dive even deeper in this episode. We'll continue our exploration of the productivity and time management arena. We talk about AI. Tan turns the tables on me a bit, and we start asking questions of each other. Uh, we'll continue the exploration, and, and I'm really excited about drawing on our combined years of experience, kind of share more unique perspectives, stories, and invaluable lessons. Now, remember, productivity isn't just about managing time. We've talked about this before. In fact, I don't think you can manage time. You can only manage your relationship with time. It's about making time meaningful, and the relationship is what does that. So let's dive right back into part two of my conversation with Tan Fam here on A Productive Conversation. Enjoy. And it's interesting you talk about those three things, time, health, and money. I mean, we've both been lucky in that we started our businesses at ages where we were able to do all that stuff and we were earning money to be able to allow us to do things like, I mean, my wife and I were just in Lisbon at the Running Remote Conference only a few weeks ago. And we were able to, we, we literally are walking, we you've been to Lisbon before, right? So you know how hilly that is. Well, we were able to walk those hills. Well, you know, 30 years from now, not so much because I'm almost, I'm 49 this year. So, you know, we're in phases of life change things. But what's interesting is money, I think, and this comes up a lot, I think, when I'm talking to people about making choices and, you know, you don't need to do that. You're, they're like, well, yeah, but I have to pay for this or I have to pay for that. Number one, I think there's an inherent value on money that goes beyond what money is valued at. So, for example, people are more, more than willing to, um, compromise their health more than necessarily, you know, I can't afford this house. I've got this mortgage, so I'm locked in. I'm like, we'll move. Wouldn't, but I can't, I have a more or, or go do this. Well, I can't. And a lot of things they also like with time in some instances, they, they don't calculate that a lot of the places that you could go to, maybe not necessarily in North America, but certain parts of the world don't cost as much as you'd like to think. You could do a lot with very little money in these places especially if you're younger. And we've seen that with digital nomadism. But in my age range that like, you know, I think that especially as the kids get older, because uh, my daughter's graduated high school this year, my son's becoming a teenager. The window for that is right now. Like, and money is not as much of an object as you think. What do you say? You know, when someone is struggling with this and money comes up, because it will, it's something that we can quantify more than health, even more than time, because as I said, we're terrible. How do you help them break past that barrier? How did you help yourself break past that barrier? I mean, was that something you had to worry about? Well, when I first started, I definitely had to worry about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there's a really good book called Die With Zero by Bill Perkins. I don't know if you've heard of no, the book. It but it um, Basically, the premise of the book, and Bill actually lives here in Austin. Uh, I've met him a few times, a really great guy. But he talks about the utility value of money. So the example that he gives in the book is, you know, Mike, if I asked you, what do you think is the average age of somebody receiving a inheritance? Just um, take a guess. 
55. 55, okay. So it turns out to be roughly 61, mm. right? So imagine at 61, you get from your, you know, your parents a million dollars. By the time you're 61, you already have a house, you already kind of set up in life, you know, you probably already have a retirement fund, you know, that money, even though it's great in theory, really doesn't do much for you. Right. But his point is, imagine you're going to give away a million dollars, right, that you save up for your kids. What if you gave your kid when he or she is 30 years old? $150,000, like US dollars, right? Mm -hmm. That could mean a down payment on the home. That could mean a, a world trip for them, you know, for their family or something. Um, and you give them another 150,000 when they're 40. So that could be like, you know, uh, you know, for college or however education will look in the future, right? But his point is, money has different utility value at different stages of life. Absolutely. Instead of waiting until the end, what if you give it in spurts because you can then use that at different stages of your life for a different utility. And this book came out maybe less than two years ago, but that's kind of like the shift I've had over the last five, six years as well is to realize like more money is great, but it's not going to do everything. Uh, however, there's certain utility value that we can get now because just like, you know, you went to Lisbon recently. If you went to Lisbon 10 years ago, it would have been a different experience with your wife. And if you went 20 years ago, it would have been a different experience. And if you will go 10 years from now, it will be a different experience as well. Yep. Just because even though it's the same city, you're older, you're wiser, you have maybe more resources, your health is going to be different. And so I think we're a lot more aware now, at least I am, of like, what is the utility value of our time that we have today, of our money, you know, of our health and resources that we have, because traveling when we're 20 and have very little money is a different experience than traveling when we're 40, when we have, you know, more, maybe money. Yep. more money and maybe the same amount of time or even less time. And thus we might cherish the experience a lot more. And it gives you more choices. Like, so for example, um, you know, going to Lisbon, we, we paid for our seats to have seat selection on our plane. Why? Cause we didn't want to be jammed in seats for that long flight from Vancouver to London because we are like 45 and you know, <laughs> in the mid forties and you don't want to necessarily be cramped in those situations. Um, but that choice meant, okay, we're spending this much here and we're, we're, I mean, we're good with money, but it, it leads to other choices. Okay. So we're going to do this here. Well, what does that mean here? I, one of the things I did, um, was we were in, um, Porto and there is uh, just across the river, there's the village that, you know, is where all the ports from. And we, I did a couple of port tours and we did a flight at one, but then the other, they had a 1974 port from at Graham's and I'm like, okay, you know what? I was born in 74. I know it's related to the Portuguese revolution. I'm literally looking out over this river, seeing the, the, it looks beautiful. I'm going to spend the money on this single glass of port, which was not, not inexpensive, but that's an experience that I would never a be able to do when I was in my twenties. And honestly, later, I don't know that I mean, I, I almost want, this was the perfect time to do it. Like it was the ideal time to, to, to do it. And I think that, that responsiveness is part of that. I think that, that when we talk about things like productiveness and, 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 you know, improving relationships with time and, and efficiency and effectiveness, which I believe are like byproducts of productivity. I think maybe that's where it is, is, is they're not, they're not the, they're not the part of it. They're the, they're the after effect. They're the, they're the, they're the effect. Like if you're aligning, like you said, happy people are productive people. 
Well, if you're productive, then you're going to be more efficient. You're going to be more effective. So that's the byproduct. But I think it's, it's, we, we're seeing, and even with some of the words you're using, words like intensity, cadence, pacing, there is, I, as we get older or we heighten awareness and we've spent, you know, like, again, we've spent a good chunk of our lives in this field. You gain that, that wisdom, that understanding, that perspective of, okay, we're never going to get it all done because we will eventually not be here. So let's get the right stuff done. And we don't need to get to the point where we are. So we burn ourselves out along the way. Cause I think that's the other thing is, um, and we don't necessarily need to use the shiniest, fanciest tool along the way either. And we've seen evolutions of, I mean, look at the bullet journal. I mean, that's an evolution of paper planning, the analog cards by Jeff Sheldon from Ugmunk. That's essentially an evolution of the hipster PDA that Merlin Mann put together or dash plus by Patrick, like Roan. I mean, there's so what I love about spending so much time in the space and talking to somebody who spent time in the space is that we've seen a lot, but there's always the underlying thing and the underpinning stuff that hasn't really changed. And it's ultimately, you know, we got stuff to do that we need and want to do. Let's just try to find a way to do that so that we can have contentment and lean more towards happy than miserable. Right. Because, and if you're, if you're not happy, then you're not going to be productive. So you need to change what's going on so that you can be, you know, lean in the other direction. And that may mean making some tough choices, right? I think you hit the nail here because a lot of things that uh, we do when it comes to prioritizing, you know, making changes in our life comes down to making trade-offs. And I think as more people learn about productivity and study it and do it as well, they realize it's really a matter of trade-offs that we make. If we say yes to one thing, we also say no to other things. And what are we okay with? And I think coming to that realization of, yes, I'm going to drink this port here on this beautiful, in this beautiful country, in this beautiful setting that will cost me X amount of, you know, Canadian dollars uh, is a choice that you made because then you would say no to, you know, other things that you wouldn't spend money or time on, right? right? And I think when people come to us and they need help for, you know, getting stuff done and figuring out ways to meet their deadlines and stuff, they just have a really hard- Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? That's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, 
Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a productive conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because Crash Plan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one, get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast. So take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash timecrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan time saying no and they have a hard time saying yes and then at the same time saying no to other things and uh that's why i'm a big fan of the book uh, four thousand weeks by yeah. Oliver Berkman. Oh, yeah right? uh, he calls it like time management for mortals mm -hmm. and you know one of the main ideas from the book is that he talks about that we don't have to get everything done on our to-do list that's a losing game you're never going to get everything done you have to be okay with just picking a few things to do and everything else you're just going to say no to. Yep. Simple as that. There's another great book uh, by Dr. Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings, because that's the other thing is deciding to stop doing things uh, because, and, and he uses this analogy of, um, you know, the rose bush. And if you let all the roses try to grow on a rose bush, it comes out okay. But if you cut blooms that could very well flower so that others will bloom greater that's how you get a truly amazing rose bush. So you're pruning through the through the art of decision making of saying yes to things, saying no to things. The key is, and this is not this is not something you can check off. This is a practice or a process, I believe, is getting better and and 
constantly cultivating your understanding of what should I be saying yes to versus saying no to. And that's, that's ultimately prioritization, right? One thing I'm curious about, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, something you and I haven't really talked about is what sure. is your take on AI? Because now that things are you know heading towards that, uh, you and I have been around for a long time. Yep. You know, you you just mentioned how there's a different evolution of different things of what happened in the past. So we, you know, this is obviously non-scriptive for those who are listening. No, yeah, no, um, this is good. This is good. I'm um, curious what your take on this is, and is it uh, a remix of something that we did in the past? I think, so I think we've been using AI for a long, I think that the fear of AI is largely unfounded because we've been using AI for a long time. It just hasn't been as transparent, right? Like if you're using, I mean, I remember pulling a map out of our glove compartment and looking to see directions to where I want to go. And now you just say where I want to go into your phone and it gives you directions. Most people go, yeah, but that's just GPS. Yeah. But if you yourself know a better route, because you are familiar with the area, like, oh, I don't want to turn right at this le- left at this light because I'll be stuck at the intersection. I want to turn right because then I won't get stuck in traffic. That's you. That's AI telling you to do that. That's artificial intelligence. And then it's your own personal experience that's going, that's not the best choice for me. And I think that's ultimately what we will be doing. It's going to be curation. I think AI, and I did this at a, a talk. I, I was at a workshop. I did a talk and then after uh, the biggest problem, and I know you've seen this too, with people when they're looking at their to-do list is their to-do list isn't broken down small enough. They're looking at these big tasks and they just stay on their list because they don't. And they said, well, I don't, you know, I know what the multiple steps are. And I'm like, okay, but you knowing that doesn't free you up to actually get them done. I mean, what if you could delegate somewhere? And they're like, yeah, but that takes time. And that's when I pulled out chat. Like this was in the early days of chat GPT. I pulled out my phone and I actually had it. It's one of the few websites I actually had saved as add to home screen on my iPhone. And I said, give me a, a task that's a pretty big task and uh, and I'll enter it in. And I actually entered it in for him. He told me what it was. It was something to do with uh, home insurance or something. And I said, break this task down into its smallest components. And he watched it. And this is what I love about chat GPT in particular. It isn't so much how quickly its response is, it's how it responds because it does it like line by line. So you get that constant dopamine of delight that's happening because like, oh my, because if it just flashed on the screen, that's, that's one hit, but you're getting like a, like, it's like the scroll and the look on this gentleman's face of like, oh wow. And I'm like, now I said, so here's the list now. This list is probably not 100% correct because it doesn't have, it doesn't understand the nuances of your business. I said, but if you could do this, will that save you time? Will that free you up to do be, do the things that only you can do? He's like, absolutely. Like he goes, now I can delegate. I know I can see like, great. So basically what I think AI is helpful with is breaking down these projects into the processes involved, which then frees you up to do more qualitative productivity, which is the key. That's the stuff I think that we get stuck with is it's way easier to get to inbox zero because you can count the numbers down, right? Like, oh, I got my email from 56 to zero, but I didn't write anything for that report. So I think that AI is nothing, it's not something to be feared. It's something to be, obviously, I mean, we, you don't want to just give, it's not an all or nothing proposition. I think there's useful, useful elements to it in terms of whether or not it's something that already had, we've seen already sort of, because 
when you look at tools that are able to group things by perspectives and things like that and, and, and filtration, those are forms of artificial, like it's very rudimentary artificial intelligence, but it's the person putting it in. Like, I want to see all the things that fit into this time block. Here it is. Sunrise did that, right? Like what? So I think it's been happening. This is just where we can really, I think it's just taken a huge leap. The, the thing is making sure that we don't do the very thing that we've done with so many elements and go, let's put all our trust in it because that's what happened with productivity. I mean, I wrote, I wrote about this in the productivity diet as well, but the idea that productivity was never, wasn't always about quantity. It was about making. And then as time went by, it still was about making, but they add that little twist of like, especially a lot of it. And then what happens is, well, when you make more things, if you don't have a way to make sure that they're good, is it, is it valuable? Is it as valuable? And so I think that AI will help us make more valuable things as humans as the way we can only do them. But um, how that happens, how that unfolds, that's the thing I'm really interested in seeing. So yes, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Like I said, that look on that gentleman's face was like, oh, I've got something here when I show him that. Because that's a big barrier. Like, I don't have time to do that. Well, you don't need to worry about that because you just put it in. So your time is now spent editing, curating, auditing judging, curating, that kind of thing, as opposed to doing, right? And then when you can do that, then you can go, okay, well, now I'm going to pass this off. And I mean, when it comes to virtual assistants, people are going to be like, well, they can do, AI can do all that stuff now. I'm like, yes and no. <laughs> it can do a lot of that stuff for you. I mean, we've been using, you and I both have scheduling links. That's AI. That's really AI. It's just a very, so now it's like, well, now, you know, it can respond to emails. It knows exactly what response to. Yes, but you still need somebody to look at it. You still need that, um, that Toyota uh, supervisor that's watching to see and then can pull the, pull the, uh, the lever if, if the assembly line's broken. Like you still need someone on the comms. It's just a matter of what, they're monitoring, not necessarily what they're doing. So that frees them up to do the things that only we can do still really, really well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, your point of allowing AI to make more stuff or allowing humans to make more stuff, I think is a really good point because the way I think about it is, and the best analogy I can give is, uh, you know, in the beginning, we had to use our head and brains to make mathematical formulas and figure out how that worked. And then we had the calculator and the calculators sped things up for us, right? And right. make things a little easier. And then we had Excel, which made things even easier and faster. But just because we had those tools and those upgrades in technology, it didn't mean that we got rid of, you know, accountants or CPAs, right? We actually got more creative in terms of the problems that we could solve and the things that we could create and the models that, you know, we now have that would have taken, you know, years and years to do now that we can do in seconds. And I think AI allows us to do that in many ways as well, where we can be more creative in terms of how we do stuff and what we can create and how fast we can create something. But there's still that human element aspect right. to that, well, right? like I, you were saying. Yeah, but I think the other key thing that, that we have to remember is that you, humans should still know how to do math, right? Like that's right. the thing, because I think, like I can tell you that 
I was never like when we were taking exams, there were certain things you weren't allowed to bring in. Right. You had to be able to do the math like you had to show that you understood it. You had to show that you could calculate. Now it's like, first off, there's new math, which is hard for most of us to understand that didn't take it. But, it, you know, it 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 adds up, no pun intended. But you should be able like the it's it's the same thing we've seen with cashiers. Right. Like making change. Right. Well, cash cash transactions some some people just are like well hey man it's twenty dollars minus like they don't they don't know how to do it as quickly as say people of a young of an older generation but that problem might be solved when we go cashless right or when we have less cash transactions because it becomes uh, an anomaly when someone walks in with a twenty dollar bill to pay for starbucks as opposed to just tapping their phone no math required the machines are doing it that's the thing that people get freaked out about they're like well what if they what if we don't what if we take our hands off the wheel or eyes off that's the thing don't take your eyes off the road keep things like our job will be to essentially and i mean you could go way back to like the whole idea of education with carnegie and the whole you know all that stuff where it's like we were basically training people to go work in factories now we're just going okay the things that will be doing that will be ai and the humans will supervise it but let's make sure that we're actually supervising and not just going off to the beach for, you know, two weeks at a time and letting the robots run everything. I think that's the big fear. I think it's unfounded. I think there's, but I think it's a cautionary tale that people need to, you know, I mean, again, you don't want, you want to be able to know that if the machine went down, that you could still make change, that you could still count in your head, okay, well, what's, you know, 73 minus 36. You want to be able to do that. Um, but the, the ability to have choice and have options is always ideal. And, uh, I think that's what AI gives us, especially when it comes to, and we're actually going to see what's interesting is I think we're going to see those who don't embrace it. They'll find out that they need to have it in some way, shape or form at some point, because ultimately it will lead to, why aren't we making enough money? Why is our bottom line? Well, because we've got AI doing this stuff that's saving us manpower, and now our manpower is doing this. So, yeah, we're making more money, or we're, our revenue, our bottom line, or you know, our P and L is better because of that. They're like, oh well, why don't you have? It? Well, we didn't really want to trust AI with this. We didn't want to do that. Well, there's going to be a ba- again. There's going to be a balance. It's not going to be like let's not use AI at all, or let's go all in. There's going to be a balance. And like with anything that's balanced, it's never 50, 50. It's always, it's always dynamic, right? Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting free Fridays. Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store and even when you're pinching yourself because yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout, oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, 
grow with Shopify. And yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you have a CPA who uses calculators now and you have a CPA next to them that uses Excel, uh, I'm going to go with that CPA that's going to use Excel. Sure, as, as long much as, as the, the formulas are set up correctly. Right, Right. exactly. That's the key. Right. That's, that's so We still have to learn how to use the tools, right? And that's why I think you, know, you as a writer will appreciate this. Good writing to me is really a reflection of clarity of thought. Yes. And so if you're using tools like ChatGPT, you know, computer science, you know, I remember reading those books back in the day, they always talked about garbage in, garbage out. If you put that bad stuff in, you're going to get bad stuff out. Mm -hmm. And same thing is true with tools like ChatGPT. If you don't have clarity of thought, like if you don't know your vision, if you don't know how to delegate, if you don't know how to put it in words, the machine, even though it's extremely powerful, it can't do much unless you have clarity of thought. And that's something that we have to still, you know, learn logical thinking, you know, clarity of thoughts, you know, mental models, decision-making frameworks. Like these are all things we can still learn and upgrade every single day as humans that down that then empower the machines to help us do better work and create better quality work. Well, an, an example would be the prompts that you would throw in chat GPT. If you put, write a blog post about productivity, you're going to get a pretty shitty blog post and it's going to look, but if you write uh, a long prompt about it, which people are doing, you might get better. Now here's the thing. Will you understand it? Will you as a, as the writer, because writing is also a form of not just clarity, but you're learning along the way, right? Like whenever I write something, I'm always like unpacking it during the process of writing it. So it's not, and again, nuance, like you know, yes, you can put into chat GPT, write a blog post in the style of Tan Fam or in, in the style of Mike Vardy or in the style of Asian efficiency. And they'll they'll look at our stuff online because it's there and go, oh, well, this is how that would look. The question that there's a couple of questions around that. Number one, um, formulaic writing isn't necessarily engaging writing. And secondly, um, fact you'll have to fact check there's a lot of people that are missing that right now and then i think the the other thing is um an integrity factor like i know that i would not want to necessarily i i have used chat gpt to give me ideas as a springboard but i certainly haven't used it to write an entire article um i have used it i will tell you exactly i've used it to take an article and turn it into a twitter thread and then revised it I think that's smart. I because you know what I would use a social media person to do that, but by having it do that, then I can still infuse my stuff in there, and I'm still a bit more hands on than if I gave it to somebody else and just had it, you know, going on in the background. So again, we're still so new to this that you're going to have to figure out what you want to do with it versus what you don't. And I think everybody's going to figure that. I've used it for recipes. I've used it for like crap. I have like this in the fridge. What can I make with chicken that has, oh, here you go. I'm like, great, simple recipe. And I and then you get more, but I want to make it an air fryer recipe. Okay, do this. And you know what? Here's the thing. 
If you want to know how good ChatGPT, even 4.0, which is that right now, is when it comes to most things, ask it to write you a simple recipe using basic ingredients, and you know what you'll get? An okay meal. You won't get a great meal, and you won't get a bad meal. You'll get an okay meal. And if that's what you want, in in certain instances, that's like, it. there's a reason why I mean, you, you've been sitting here and I've been drinking my shake every morning. I have a Nutribullet shake that's formulaic, right? I'm trying to do the same thing for lunches so that I can, you know, be, get better shape. Um, it can help with that. You can even, I've, I've had friends ask it for workout routines. I've had, I've used it to input into, um, uh, just experimenting going, I want to do these five things per day, five days a week. And I have these other responsibilities, write me a schedule based on that. And I gave it my bedtime, all that. And it did, again, an okay job. It didn't have nuance in mind because it doesn't know it yet. Um, It may get there. But the thing is, and by the way, it does get more nuanced the more you use it because it's learning from you. Like, you know, so it, it is a very intriguing area. And I think that leveraged properly Again, my brother uh, used to work. He was a kitchen manager. Uh, I said, you could use it to, oh, shoot, we've got, we overordered asparagus. Come up with five asparagus recipes that I can use in my kitchen. Like, you could do that, right? And that would be a smart use case, right? Um, I think that there's lots of potential. To, but again, like anything, it's the the frequency of use, the um, the detail involved, and then also who's doing it. Like, I mean, anything, I mean, it's, someone goes, well, it could be in in the hands of the wrong people. It could go bad. Yeah. But that's with anything. Like we have to understand that that's with anything. I mean, that's why you have black hacker, black hat hackers and white hat hackers, right? Like there's in the hands of individuals and it's always human, which goes back to the very beginning of our conversation, which was, you know, what, what hasn't changed? Human behavior hasn't changed (laughs) over the years of GTD and earlier. Human behavior has generally not changed when it comes to how they do things, why they do things, why they don't do things. And I mean, productivity is just a part of that puzzle that, you know, you and I've just happened to dwell in for the past uh, going on 15 years now. So two things I want to say on that, uh, to put a bow tie on this. Um, One is because you and I have been around for so long, ChatGPT has all this knowledge about you and I, right? So we can actually have it say, hey, I want you to write a blog post about the Pomodoro technique and do it in the voice of Mike Vardy and add in a funny joke about the bangles. Yep. And it will do that because it's been uh, you know, trained on all this content that we've been creating for you know over a decade now, yep. which is beautiful, uh, which is a funny advantage in many ways that uh, you and I have being around a little bit longer, also have been written text in that form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing is, I don't know if this will make you feel old or not, Mike, but this is a realization I had recently and I didn't put two and two together until recently is, you know, if we look nowadays at the influencers or, you know, they don't like that term, they always like to call themselves content creators on like Instagram and TikTok and they're making a living now. When you think about it, you and I were the OG content creators. You you and I were the OG influencers. When we wrote blog posts, that's how we made a living. When Mm -hmm. we did our writing online, that's how we made a living. We were among the first to do that. 
And so nowadays it's just a different form, right? People create short form videos. They create beautiful pictures and, you know, give different tips about whatever they are talking about on a different platform like Instagram or TikTok or whatever. But you and I did that on our own websites where we had to learn how to set up the technology, <laughs> the back end, you know, move an image to left center then. You know, it was, a, it was a lot more work back then. Yeah, we were the OGs. It's true. And I mean, we didn't have social media nearly as much to help us. We didn't have, uh, we certainly didn't have YouTube and TikTok. Oh, you know what? Go, look at, okay, here's the last question before, I, before we wrap up. If you were to start, if you had all the tools that, 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 that exist now, so all the platforms, where would, what, what's one, where is the one medium you would, you would have started with? Would you have stuck with the blog or what would you start with in terms of content creation and why? If I had to start all over again today, yeah, but with and... but with the with the audience that we had back then. So let's 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 time travel and say everything that exists now existed then. So the playing field okay. is completely level. Because if you're going to start now, then we're playing like you and I going into YouTube right now. We're I mean, yes, we can leverage our our you know our our experience and the content we've created in the past, but we certainly can't. You know, like Ali Abdal is a great example who like just shot to the top with YouTube talking about productivity. We, we would, we're playing catch up there. Not that that matters, but the point is if, if the playing fields level and we're starting back then with all the tools that, where would you start? So I would still start with video um, because video can be turned into audio and it can be turned into text, but the other way is not true. It's true. Yeah, it's the so Asian efficiency say, model. There you go. It's, the yes. it's true though. Like, I mean, we're recording this audio right now, and people are like, oh, put the video up. I'm like, we record the video, sure. But the thing is, is that back when we start, remember when <laughs> back when podcasting and then, and then YouTube showed up, they're like, oh, you should just put your podcast on YouTube. And no one was watching podcasts on YouTube. Nobody. Now, yeah. Rich Roll, Joe Rogan, a bunch of others, the minimalists, like People will watch an entire podcast or they'll have it on and playing while they're doing something else, but they'll do the, the video is there. You're right. The, the, it, it, it's literally content Xing three times, at least probably more with social, right? Yeah. No, with even, you know, with make.com, I've seen some really interesting workflows where you can literally add like a video into a Google drive folder. It will then get a transcript created from that. Right. Okay. Uh, and then through you know apis with make.com which is kind of like zapier in a way yep it can then send stuff to you know chat gpt and say hey based on this transcript create a you know twitter thread you know create a youtube description you know split this video segment into three different transcripts you know and then we can edit that like it's insane what we can do nowadays well this has been one epic episode a two-parter for sure um and Dan, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me today. Where can people keep up with you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, feel free to follow me at asianefficiency.com. We have a newsletter there. We also have a podcast called The Productivity Show. So you can check me out there as well. Thanks for having a productive conversation and a lengthy one of that, a two-parter. Dan, uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Big thanks to Tan for taking the extra time for this conversation. He hadn't been on the show before and we made up for it in spades. You can check out all of the show notes in the podcast app you're using or go to productivities.com slash podcast 480 to check out all the key takeaways, links, etc. 
etc. And again, if you're listening to this in the podcast app of your choice, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. That way you don't miss a single episode of What's to Come. And there's plenty more to come as we continue the 480. We're on the march to 500 at this point. It's I can't believe it. That's how long we've been doing this podcast. Uh, the other way that you can help support the show other than subscribing is in the app that you're using right now or at the link I gave you earlier. Uh, check out the podcast sponsors, the ones that you heard during this episode. If you want to go to all the sponsors that we've had, go to productivities.com slash podcast sponsors to learn more, check them out, and then that way they know that I sent you. That's it for this episode. It was a beauty, another great uh, conversation. This one, again, two parts. Haven't done that before. I'm glad I did it. Glad I got to do it with Tan. And I can't wait to see uh, what what the next decade plus, the next 15 years holds for both of us. And I can't wait to deliver next week's episode for you. So until then, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later. <laughs>